But Collector's Corner is our chance to pull off the dusty tarps and take a look at a passionate individual's hoard of unique objects. Today's edition was suggested by Alex Thompson, who emailed us. And if you know someone with an impressive collection, uh, send us a note to jesse at rnz.co.nz. Today we're going to Lepperton in Taranaki, where for the past few decades John Ward has been building a large collection of taxidermy. He has a catalogue of hundreds of animals, ranging from, well, let him tell us. John joins us now. Hi, John. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm really good, thank you. That's good. good. Well, there's actually a lot, hey, mister. There's a lot, all right. Yeah. Um, And before people get upset and start texting me, you didn't hunt these all down yourself. No, no, I'm a collector, Hamish, so I see today that the world is in trouble, the animals are in trouble, and I always say to people, don't put the rare animals on the wall just to show them off, but if they die naturally, don't waste the bodies, because we're losing them, and there will come a time when they will become very, very rare, and the animals from the past, from great-grandfathers and grandfathers' time, when they were more prolific, it was more socially acceptable to hunt, will not be around anymore. Mm. Well said. Um, by the way, you're talking Ooh. to Jesse, John. Hamish was the uh, sound oh, engineer oh, who got you on. That's no, okay, just in case you were... Uh, okay, Jesse. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, no. so tell me a bit about your collection and what's in it. Okay. Um, we have a whole range, most of the African animals. Um, you know, we have black rhino, white rhino that have come out of the old collections and the old mates that I knew for 20 or 30 years. And when they passed over, I just took them all over. So... The skin mounts, not the horns are not original, but that suits me because, you know, there's a lot of hoo-ha on the rhinos, rhinos around the world. Um, there's full-body cheetah, there's polar bear, Gosh. grizzly bear, black bear. Um, there's crocodiles, snakes, lizards, turtles, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. How did you get it's started probably, doing this, by the way, John? Um, been a, a little boy looking in a sports shop window at um, mounted pheasants and just absolutely taken by the colours and trying to conjure up all ways that I could actually get one out of them, but it never happened. But that just actually fired my interest. And as a little boy, um, you know, I'd pick things up off the road and um, Dad's mates would be duck shooting over the farm and I'd climb up on the trailer when they're having a bear, have a look at the ducks on the back, and they'd come out and just say, Mister, can I have the head off your duck? So they'd give me the head and I'd spin it back and put forward with cotton wool and I used to have that all along my windowsill when I was a little kid. So it just never, ever stopped. It, it's like a passion that never stops. It's like we're all different. We all are into different things, you know? Yeah. And you've um, obtained some pretty incredible pieces over the years. How, how many different objects do you think you have in your collection now? Um, well, I'd have to say there would be Oh, heck, I'd have to say there would probably be over 2,000 items oh, in there. Oh, come on. Yeah, easy. I mean, there's so many things. There's just so much stuff in there. It's unreal. Like that, counting everything, like tarantulas, butterflies, um, you know, um, all sorts of stuff, antlers. Like I cover a, a whole range of different deer species from around the world. Some of them now are sighted one. You can't hunt them, and in a lifetime, you get one opportunity. If one rolls out of a car shed or a, um, somebody's home, as you're passing through, if you miss it, it'll never come up again. Yeah. Um, and 
We'll go through some of the some of the rarest pieces. Um, just out of interest, have you got them on display so people? I mean, are people allowed to come and look at them? If people ring me, Jesse, and um, book an appointment, because I mean, it's the pandemic has sort of changed everything. Um, we're looking at better signage, better advertising, and throw it, throw a lot more into it, and try and get it off the ground properly. You know because it's definitely got the goods to be able to bring people to New Plymouth and everybody that actually sees it. And I give them the guided tour and tell them about everything. And there's a lot of history wrapped up in you know, I mean, a lot of history. So nobody's disappointed. So anytime somebody rings me and they want to come and have a look, if they make an appointment, I'll open the doors for them. I've mm-hmm. got lights even at night times. I sometimes get the scouts ring up and want to come at 7 o'clock <laughs> at night. You know, so that's fine. When you're looking at these um, taxidermied animals, do you still feel the magic, that same magic you felt when you saw the pheasant all those years ago? Yes, I do. I actually um, look at them all and I feel very, very lucky that I have them all. And I sort of can't, I'll sit there sometimes and just say to myself, wow, what have you done, John? You've got so much stuff. It's unbelievable. And when you've got a real passion for something, you actually attract things to you. I have people that come along and donate, um, you know, your grandfather's heads and stuff like that. They want them looked after, and I take it very seriously, looking after people's um, passions in life. Animal, so animal, heads, animal heads that have well, been owned by their grandfather. Yeah. yeah, and I sort of say to the families too sometimes, it's like if the families are really interested in them and the young ones want them, well, it's not a problem, but we're only the keepers as we're passing through, Jesse, you know? Um, and I think people will be encouraged to hear that your collection isn't about celebrating the death of these animals, it's actually about conserving them and, and reminding yeah. people of the value of um, biodiversity. What yes, would, it is. What would be the biggest item in your collection? would be the polar bear. He would stand at about nine foot. Oh, come on, really? Yeah, he's a big bear. I mean, I have my grandkids in the past. My grandkids have gone to school and say, oh, granddad's got a polar bear. And the kids will go, oh, really? You pull the other one. So they get a photo standing in front of it. And boy, they've got a lot of friends. (laughs) (laughs) So it's quite funny, Jesse. But I mean, that's the thing. I always tell everybody that comes. It's it's an educational facility um, celebrating the lives of animals that we've had that were once numerous. And, you know, we cover a lot of rare stuff. We even have antlers that I brought over years ago, 30-odd years ago out of England, of old Indian salmon that were pulled apart. The dealers pulled and took the antlers off the top, boxed them and sent them to New Zealand for me. And, I mean, you know, the world record Indian salmon is just over 50 inches, I think, and mine is a sixteenth of an inch under 50 inches. And it was shot 200 years ago, with two 36-inch cheetle out of the original herds of India by a general when they when they colonised that country, you know, when they were in that country. And I've got four other Indian samba that I brought out way back as well, that antlers that come in. So there's a lot of history in there, you know. What about these rhinos? The rhinos, um, one was belonged to Jack Price. It was um, Jack was up in Thames. I knew him for years. Um... The other one, the black rhino, was um, belonged to Kevin Shannon, who was a doctor down to Eden, and I was very lucky to end up with that. I got Kevin's black rhino and his cheetah, full-body cheetah. So I've never seen another one of those. And apart from that, I've got full-body lions in the collection. I've got a male and a female. So I'm very lucky. Have you ever worked out how much you've spent on this collection over the years? 
probably over a lifetime, very little actually. Really? And um, yeah, because I mean, a lot of stuff I've acquired. Yeah. I mean, and way back in the early years, there wasn't the big money in it. Like now, if you were to go, it's all money now, all money out there now. And a lot of the families that get these collections now, the ones that I haven't actually got onto or don't know, as soon as the the parents or grandparents are gone, they generally end up in the auctions and, um, you know, then they go everywhere and you've sort of lost them. You got anything on your um, bucket list? Anything you're really keen on finding? um, What would I like to find? I'd like to have a 14-foot at least saltwater crocodile, full body mounted. would look pretty cool because... I've got such a reputation, and there's a lot of them in the top end of Australia now. Mm. But it's just that it costs a lot of money to do that. If we were up and running better and making money, we could afford to do it. But, um, you know, you can't swim in Darwin Harbour. Wherever the salties are, you can't swim because Mm. there's just too many of them. And they do actually trap them under licence. And you can actually buy a full-body one, but they want good money for it. You know what a customs make of your hobby, John. Um, in the years gone by, I've never had a problem with customs because I sort of roll up and I have fun with them and I explain things to them. Uh, I don't try and tell them what to do or anything like that. And the dock officer up in Auckland, when we were bringing birds in from South Africa, like um, spotted eagle whales and stuff like that, that come out of the big bird farms over there when they pass away, because South Africa is a signatory to CITES, we can get the permits to bring them into New Zealand. And, you know, at the time we were doing that, that was, you know, a couple of years before the pandemic, I would ring up the dock officer in uh, Auckland and tell her that, you know, I've got these birds coming over and here's a permit number, here's a tracking number. And so if you're honest with people, you don't have a problem at all, you know. Have you got a favourite object in the collection we haven't talked about yet? Um, Oh, there's, um, you know, there's... uh, tiger skin and there's um, that's been reconditioned the tiger skin is um, over 100 years old when Max got it it had no ears, no whiskers um, the stripes had faded out big rip down the uh, right hand side so he stitched that and he built the ears out of deer skin, he built the whiskers out of nylon, he airbrushed all the stripes back into it and glued it down on green fountain. People sometimes say to me where'd you get the tiger skin from John because that's a really highly endangered animal but it's been reconditioned. And when you look at Weta Productions down in Wellington, those guys making movie props and that, you can't fault their work. And people are at the top of their game and some things they do, they do, you know? Yeah. And then you've got, um, you know, leopard skin, jaguar skin, you've got South American green anaconda, quite a big one. And um, But you'll never get another one of those in the country. Do they take um, much dusting? No, because it's in a sort of a con- uh, massive shed it's controlled, um, you know, in controlled environment. I'll, every six months I'll go through and I'll just pull whole sections apart and dust them and spray bug spray around. And I always keep mouse poison, rat poison in amongst everything. So if anything does find its way in the shed, generally they have a feed of that and that's the end of them, you know. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. And I hope you do get a sort of a, a regular 
thing happening. I know, as you say, you won't, don't turn anyone down, but uh, a, no, a properly no. um, stocked museum where everything was kept in, uh, in great condition. You had a bit of help and um, it was easy to access, yes. all that sort of thing, and charge some yes, tickets and keep building to the collection. They'd be pretty special. That's the one, Jesse, and I mean, I'm private. I can't get any of the government grants or anything like that to build it bigger. And I mean, I could do with a shed six to eight times the size of what I've got because I've got tons of antiques and rocks and bottles, antique bottles and coin collections, all sorts of stuff. You'd have something for everybody and have all the birds and animals behind glass properly, the ones that aren't, and have them all, the story about them, all that sort of stuff. So people could walk in and big natural settings, just so it's locked in there. It would be an actual major attraction for this for New Plymouth, you know. Great to chat um, to you. Thank you for your time today, John. Really nice to talk today. Awesome, Jesse. Thank you. John Ward, Manutahi Taxidermy Museum.